Section 12 of Ontario Public School Geography. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Ontario Public School Geography by the Educational Book Company of Toronto. Section 12 North America, the continent as a whole. Map questions. What ocean is east of North America? West of it? North of it? What large bay is on the north coast? Name two big gulfs on the east coast and one on the west. What strait separates North America from Asia? What is the largest island north of the continent? Name the bay and the strait southwest of this island. What peninsula lies between Hudson Bay and the Gulf of St. Lawrence? Name the island which partly encloses this gulf. What two peninsulas partly enclose the Gulf of Mexico? Where are the West Indies? Name the four largest islands of this group. What sea lies south of them? What separates the Caribbean Sea from the Pacific Ocean? What is the narrowest part of North America? What two continents are joined by this narrow isthmus? What peninsula partly encloses the Gulf of California? Is the southern or the northern part of the west coast of North America more broken? Where are the best harbors on the west coast? How many highlands are there in North America? Name them. Which has the highest mountains? Find the great central plain. Between what highlands does it lie? What river flows southward through it to the Gulf of Mexico? What river flows northward to the Arctic Ocean? What river flows eastward between these two? Name the lakes which border the Laurentian highland on the west. What group of lakes lies south of this highland? By what river are they drained? What is the name of the plain between the Appalachian Highland and the Atlantic Ocean? Why are the rivers in this plain short? What are the two largest countries of North America? Which of these is larger? What country lies south of the United States? What river flows between the United States and Mexico? How many countries are there in Central America? Name them. Where is Alaska? To what country does it belong? Name a large river which crosses Alaska. Into what sea does it empty? In what zone or zones is Greenland situated? Alaska? Canada? The United States? Mexico? The West Indies? Central America? Give the boundaries of each of these countries. In what zone is the greater part of the continent? Why is this an advantage? shape size and situation north america as its name implies is the northern portion of the great landmass which forms the new world it is roughly triangular in shape being broad in the north and tapering toward the south from north to south the continent extends over 72 degrees of latitude a distance of about 5000 miles its greatest breadth 
from east to west is considerably over three thousand miles its area is about nine million three hundred and fifty thousand square miles almost three times the size of europe it ranks third among the continents in size asia and africa are larger north america is well situated for trade with other countries its eastern coast looks over the atlantic toward europe its western shore faces the east coast of asia the most productive and densely populated part of that continent south american ports are easily reached and a large trade is carried on between the two american continents sea-going trade has been helped by the panama canal cut by the government of the united states through the isthmus of panama through it ships can pass from ocean to ocean without having to make the long voyage around south america the north coast the north coast of the continent is washed by the arctic ocean and therefore is almost valueless for commerce a network of islands extends from the coast to within five hundred miles of the north pole itself with the exception of greenland which is a danish colony these islands belong to the dominion of canada their very scanty population consists entirely of eskimos hudson bay the largest and most important indentation of the northern coast is ice-bound for several months of the year and as yet has been little used for shipping it is named after henry hudson who discovered it while attempting to find a passage to asia around the north coast of america the discovery of the northwest passage as the sea route north of america from the atlantic to the pacific is called proved very difficult on account of the ice with which the straits between the northern islands are filled for almost the whole of the year the names of many of the islands and channels recall to mind the men who dared and suffered much in these waters davis baffin franklin and many others vainly endeavored to win their way through to the pacific it was not until the year 1906 that this feat was successfully accomplished in that year captain roald amundsen who later discovered the south pole reached the pacific ocean after a three years voyage of great difficulty and peril amundsen proved that although a northwest passage exists its difficulties and dangers are so great that it can never become a commercial highway the east coast the northern portion of the east coast is rough and rocky it contains many good harbors ranging in size from small bays just large enough to shelter a few fishing vessels to magnificent harbors such as those of halifax and new york farther south the shore is low and sandy and good harbors are scarce the continental shelf is very wide upon the eastern side of the continent this shelf was once part of the coastal plain of north america but now owing to the gradual sinking of the eastern coast it lies beneath the surface of the ocean on this shallow submarine platform there is much plant and animal life the grand bank of newfoundland forms a part of the continental shelf the banks are the richest cod fishing grounds in the world the two chief currents in the Atlantic along the eastern coast are the Gulf Stream and the Labrador Current. The Gulf Stream makes little difference to the climate of North America. To it, however, the Bermuda Islands owe their existence. These are the most northerly coral islands in the world. They lie in the midst of the Gulf Stream, 
and in its warm waters the coral polyps are able to live and thrive much farther north than they could were it not for the gulf stream the labrador current as you have already seen causes dense fogs near newfoundland it also brings down with it many icebergs these are huge masses of ice broken from the ends of the great glaciers which fill the valleys of greenland both icebergs and fogs are dangerous to vessels ships are often delayed in their journey across the atlantic by these menaces to their safety to the labrador current however is due to a great extent the immense number of fish which throng the newfoundland banks it brings down with it from the arctic ocean great quantities of small jelly-like plants called plankton upon which many varieties of small fish feed these fish in their turn provide food for the cod the codfish upon the newfoundland banks could not exist without the microscopic plankton which the labrador current supplies in such abundance the west coast the west coast like the east coast is very irregular in the northern section there are numberless sounds and inlets many of them forming fine harbors a chain of islands fringes the whole of this part of the coast of these vancouver island is the largest and most important toward the south the coastline is almost unbroken the only good harbor is that of san francisco bay the gulf of california although large is of little commercial importance as the chief ports of mexico are upon the coast of the gulf of mexico the western or rocky mountain highland the rocky mountain highland begins in alaska and stretches southward throughout the whole length of north america it is comparatively narrow in the far north but broadens rapidly to the south it is its widest at 40 degrees north latitude where it stretches across one-third of the width of the continent the whole of mexico and central america is within this highland with the exception of a narrow belt of lowland bordering the coasts the rocky mountains which extend without a break from alaska to mexico form the eastern ridge of the highland in canada and the united states the western side is marked by a series of ranges rising close to the margin of the pacific between the rockies and these western ranges are several large plateaus in the mountains are many valleys in the widest part of the highland is an immense depression known as the great basin it resembles an enormous shallow bowl the edge of which is formed by the high ground surrounding it the rain which falls on the inner slopes of the great basin forms creeks and rivers which following the slope of the land flow toward the low ground there the water gathers and forms lakes a region such as this in which the rivers flow into depressions which have no outlet to the ocean is called an area of interior drainage the water in the lakes in such an area is always salt for the same reason that the water of the ocean is salt the prevailing wind over the northern half of the western highland is from the west north of 45 degrees the west coast has rain at all seasons brought by the westerlies which sweep over the north pacific drift referred to on page 49 the westerlies moderate the climate of the west coast of america making it milder in winter and cooler in summer than that of the regions lying inland during the winter they bring rain to the coast as far south as twenty degrees north latitude the mountain girt plateaus and basins have a very scanty rainfall 
particularly in the south, where they lie beyond the influence of the westerlies. These are the desert lands of North America. The vegetation of the western highland varies with latitude, rainfall, and altitude. That part of the coast which comes within the belt of the westerlies is densely forested with coniferous trees of which some species, such as the Douglas fir, attain a very great size. Many of the higher peaks of the mountains are above the tree line. On them the forests rise towards grasslands gay with flowers, which in turn merge into areas of bare rock and snowfields. The arid plateaus and basins have a semi-desert vegetation. The most characteristic plant is the sagebrush, while toward the south the thorny cactus is very common. The west coast of Mexico is too dry to support a tropical forest, and so savanna lands of mixed grass and woodland are found there. There are many wild animals among the wooded mountains. The Rocky Mountain sheep, the Rocky Mountain goat, and the grizzly bear are the most characteristic of them. On the dry plateaus there are burrowing animals, such as the prairie dog. There, too, the rattlesnake is very common. Scorpions are numerous in the desert. The Great Central Plain The Great Central Plain is divided by a slight elevation of land running from east to west close to the boundary between Canada and the United States. The southern portion slopes toward the Gulf of Mexico, the northern toward Hudson Bay and the Arctic Ocean. The higher ground between the two great slopes falls gradually from west to east. Prove these statements by tracing the courses of the Mississippi, Mackenzie, and Saskatchewan rivers. The central plain of the continent, for the most part, is cold in winter and hot in summer. The winter temperature of the northern districts is very low, and the summers, though warm, are short. In the south, both summer and winter are naturally much warmer. The rainfall occurs chiefly during the summer, when it is of greatest use for plant growth. During the spring and summer, it varies from 5 to 15 inches in different districts. The annual rainfall ranges mostly from 10 to 30 inches. The Great Plain of North America is one of the most fertile areas in the world. In the south, cotton and sugar cane are grown. Then comes a great belt of land in which Indian corn is the main crop. Farther north are broad stretches of wheat land, which extend northward into Canada as far as the Peace River. Most of the Great Plain is a natural grassland wooded only along the courses of the rivers. North of the Saskatchewan River, however, the plain is thickly wooded. This forest is part of the northern forest, which covers the northern part of the continent right from Alaska to the Gulf of St. Lawrence. Toward the west, the ground rises in rolling plains toward the foothills of the Rockies. The plains lying right in the lee of the mountains are too dry, except in the northern part, to permit ordinary farming. When irrigation is employed, or special methods of farming are used to overcome the dryness of the soil, good crops may be grown. Much of this part of the plain is used for grazing great herds of cattle, and even the driest districts produce enough grass to support many large flocks of sheep. East of the Mississippi, the ground is very level for many miles until it rises in gently rolling slopes into the Appalachian Highland. The soil of this part of the plain is particularly fertile, and some of the most productive farms in the world are found here. 
the prairies were once the home of large herds of bison or buffalo as they are more usually named as late as 1858 a traveler upon the western plains drove for ten days through a single continuous herd and the prairie was black with moving animals as far as the eye could reach but man needed for his own use the land over which they roamed railways were built settlers came in ever-increasing numbers and the buffalo vanished before the westward advance of civilization another animal of the plains the beautiful prong-horned antelope still survives but in sadly decreased numbers the coyote or prairie wolf the most cunning of all wolves has more than held his own and his sharp bark and the mournful howl are to be heard today almost anywhere on the western plains and in the foothills of the mountains the indians of the plains were among the most picturesque and savage tribes of the continent in the south and central regions the apaches the navajos and the sioux the wild horsemen of the plains and farther north the crees hunted over the high plains and the prairies now their old hunting grounds are farms and ranches the game has vanished and the descendants of fierce warriors live peacefully upon their reservations the appalachian highland this highland is much smaller than the rocky mountain highland it is only about two hundred miles wide and consists of comparatively low rounded hills which are usually wooded both sides of the highland are well watered for the greater part of the rainfall comes from the storms which travel from the gulf of mexico to the northeast in a path parallel to the mountains in the north are several distinct ranges of low mountains there is only one good route from the atlantic coast to the great lakes through these confused and tangled hills this is afforded by the valleys of the hudson river and of its tributary the mohawk the hudson mohawk valley early became the main highway of travel through the appalachian highland and still retains its supremacy the city of new york the largest and wealthiest of american cities owes much to its situation at the mouth of the hudson river south of the hudson river the appalachian highland consists of a central belt of parallel even ridges running in a general southwest to northeast direction between the mountain ridges are fertile valleys across the ridges eastward flowing rivers have cut narrow transverse valleys which are important lines of communication within the highland the most easterly part of the appalachian highland called the piedmont plateau presents a very steep face to the east and below this lies a flat coastal plain extending to the atlantic this escarpment as such a steep descent from a plateau is called marks the limit of navigation from the atlantic since the course of the rivers is broken by falls or rapids where they plunge down from the plateau to the plain at the eastern edge of the plateau known as the fall line are located the chief cities and ports of this region the rivers provide them with water power the most westerly part of the highland called the appalachian plateau slopes west and northwest to the prairies and the ohio river this plateau is noted for its mineral wealth. It contains the greatest coal fields in the world. There are also large deposits of iron, vast quantities of petroleum, and much natural gas. The Atlantic Slope The plain lying between the Appalachian Highland and the Atlantic Ocean is very low and flat. 
it is quite narrow in the north but broadens toward the south it is well watered by many streams flowing from the highland the coast is fringed with sandbanks and islands behind which are many lagoons and marshes in the marshland toward the south rice can be grown there are also large sandy tracts covered with pine forests there is some good land especially suited for the production of fruit vegetables and cotton the weather on the east coast of the continent is more variable than anywhere else in north america northeasterly winds passing over the cold labrador current are usually accompanied by heavy falls of snow in winter and by cool rains in summer southeasterly winds coming from over the warmer north atlantic drift bring rain and mild weather northwesterly winds blowing over the cold interior bring clear cold weather in winter their influence reaches far south and killing frosts are not uncommon even in southern florida the laurentian highland the laurentian highland is marked by the chain of large lakes which border it this v-shaped highland encloses hudson bay and covers the whole northeastern portion of the continent the laurentian highland is the lowest of the three highland areas in fact it is much more like a vast plain than a mountainous district it was once much higher than it is now long ago it was covered with ice and the rocks were worn down by moving glaciers during the many centuries which have elapsed since the ice melted the rivers had continued the work of wearing down the rock much of the fertile soil of the west plains and of the basin of the great lakes and the valley of the st lawrence has come from the rocks which once formed part of the laurentian highland the vast extent of this ancient highland is broken by many low rounded hills between the hills are innumerable streams and countless lakes forest covers its whole area except in the far north where only mosses lichens and a few stunted bushes can withstand the severity of the climate natural resources let us now sum up a few of the outstanding advantages of north america which have contributed much to the rapid development of the continent the mineral wealth of the continent is unrivalled coal iron copper nickel gold and silver are found in quantities unknown elsewhere the coal fields of the continent are estimated to be twenty times as large as those of europe iron ore is found in many parts the rocky mountain highland produces immense quantities of gold silver and copper the laurentian highland is very rich in minerals and although its resources are as yet little known it is already yielding great quantities of nickel gold and silver from the mines of northern ontario the forest wealth of the continent is immense the northern forest is providing much excellent timber and a great deal of pulpwood for making paper the trees of the western coast yield in abundance timber of the very finest quality the southern forests of the atlantic coast also contain much valuable timber no continent has a larger area of well-watered deep and fertile soil the forest lands except in the far north become good farmlands when cleared the plains of the center of the continent produce great quantities of foodstuffs the farmer of north america is the most prosperous agriculturist to be found anywhere in the world the mississippi river and the st lawrence river with the great lakes form unexcelled waterways into the heart of the continent 
the influence of these two great highways upon the development of trade can scarcely be overestimated beyond these there are many other waterways which facilitate transportation no continent surpasses north america in variety and wealth of natural resources its people for the most part have taken full advantage of the wealth which lay close to their hands and as a result are today a very prosperous happy and progressive people we canadians have the privilege of owning almost half of this great continent this means that we are among the fortunate peoples of the world each one of us should strive to realize how great a thing it is to be a citizen of canada each one of us should have a thorough knowledge of all those things which make canada though so young a nation second to none either in past accomplishment or in future prospect no other of our geographical studies is so important or nearly so interesting as the study of our own land end of section twelve